Hello and welcome back to the PC Speaking Podcast. Um, we're starting a new series this week called Discipline Now. And to open that up, I'm going to ask you to do something a little different than what we might normally do to start something like this off. Uh, there's a video on YouTube and uh, you might go watch it. Just going to start this because it's going to be relevant to what we're going to be talking about. And if you go to YouTube and you search for free solo 2018 climbing scenes, you'll find a video and watch the video, maybe pause this and then come back to it. Um, and in that video is a guy named Alex Honnold and he is free soloing El Capitan in Yosemite National Park in California, USA. And as you have watched that video, did you notice how much safety gear he was using? Um, he wasn't using any gear at all outside of climbing shoes and chalk. And in the climbing world, that's what's referred to as free soloing. I'm certainly not an expert. I did a little bit of climbing when I was younger, but that was many years ago. But Alex Honnold, he was the first, and I believe still only person to free solo El Capitan, and that might stand for quite some time. But I've followed him for a while, and normally that route that he climbs in that video takes four to six days to complete. But without the burden of food and water and ropes and camping gear, Alex did it in three hours and 56 minutes. What normally takes almost a week, he finished by 9.30 in the morning. Uh, there's National Geographic specials about Alex. If you're interested in learning more about him, it's fascinating to watch him. And it's fascinating to watch someone do something who has reached the pinnacle of that something, that discipline, whatever it might be. It's fascinating watching a chef with amazing knife skills or a musician who has mastered their instrument to a degree that is rarely seen. And we've all looked at someone like that, whether it be a rock climber or a musician or whatever, and thought, wow, I wish I could do that. I've often watched uh, musicians play and I've often watched guitar players play. And I thought, wow, I wish I could play like that. But the reality is, is that I probably could, but I won't. Why won't I? Because I'm not willing to discipline myself now and do what it takes now to become that caliber of musician later. In that video that um, showed Alex climbing El Capitan, that's, that's not the first time he jumped on a rock face and started climbing. There are thousands and thousands of hours of discipline training that led up to him being able to successfully free solo El Capitan. And he lived in a small van, always staying near places he could climb. Sometimes that involved being very uncomfortable. I think there was even some times where there was a bit of cat and mouse that happened with park rangers. But he basically set up his life as a monastery dedicated to climbing. And when we watch someone who's a master practice their craft, what we are seeing is the culmination of a tremendous amount of time, training, effort, and discipline. It's relatively simple and achievable formula. Discipline now leads to success later. And I've been reading a book, and the thing that led to me to read the book was the negative reviews. Uh, when I want to purchase something or read a book, I already know I want to read it. So I look at the negative reviews to see if there's a good reason not to. 
And the book is called Disciplines of a Godly Man, written by R. Kent Hughes. It's a resource I'll be drawing from throughout our time together. But today's mainly an introduction and primer to or for what we'll be talking about in the coming weeks. And it's mostly geared towards men because I feel that's very important right now in Western culture. But that doesn't mean that it's not uh, important for everyone. Anyone can take these disciplines and apply them in their own lives regardless of gender. If you're a married woman, it will benefit you to understand these things and encourage and help your husband in these different disciplines. And also where appropriate, apply them in your own life because there's definitely crossover. Uh, If you're a young man or a teenager, if you start practicing these disciplines now, your entire life will be uh, dramatically better later. If you're a young lady and you learn these things and apply the ones that are relevant to you, you'll know better what to look for in a man. And if a man is practicing the things we talk about now, he will make your life much better later. And this is an introduction, like I say. So we're going to do a lot of talking. Um, We're going to do some uh, expounding of Bible verses. And as we go through this, I plan to give some helpful resources along the way. Um, If you don't follow our church's social media page, Hinterland Baptist Church, I'd encourage you to do that. There'll be posts on there as well. Uh, Keep up with our social media, or you can follow me personally, um, Chris Miller on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, PC speaking on Instagram. But if you listen and do the things we talk about, you'll become a better man, better husband, father, wife, son, daughter, and probably most importantly, a better follower of Jesus. We're going to start with a passage that we read recently for 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. And this is what it says. You're welcome to just, you can follow, you know, if you've got a Bible, like follow along, follow along on your mobile device, or just listen and I'll read it to you. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6, 6 through 10, this is what it says. It says, if you remind the brothers of these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished by the words of faith and of good doctrine, which you have followed closely, but refuse profane and foolish myths, instead exercise in the ways of godliness. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable in all things, holding promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. We read this passage um, a few weeks back when we had the message entitled COVID, Charlatans, Conspiracies, and the Coming into the World. And that didn't get quite the attention I thought it might. It did get some. It triggered a few people, of course. But it wasn't intended to be offensive, and that's why it was mostly well-received. Sometimes truth can be offensive, but it should be the truth and not the person speaking, doing the offending. Uh, You remember last time we talked about this passage that Paul is telling Timothy to teach people what I'm teaching you. And in doing so, he tells Timothy, if you teach people what I teach you, you will be a good servant of Jesus. Another very important point that we drew from what Paul writes is that as a pastor, Timothy should strive to be the object lesson of the things he teaches. And simply put, practice what you preach. We've probably all heard that at some point. And there are many disciplines that we're going to talk about in this series that I know I need to work on personally. 
me talking about them doesn't mean I've perfected them by any stretch of the word. But also along that line, talking about them does bring a lot of public accountability and motivation to improve. So I'm looking forward to that. But as we talk about these disciplines, as with all things, let's apply them to ourselves, both you and me, and afford the people around us the opportunity to do the same. Um, We have to be able to take care of and discipline ourselves before we can begin to help and encourage someone else to do the same. Practice what you preach. And as Christians, we should discipline ourselves now in such a way that our character comes into line with our message. And Paul writes in verse 7, he says, But refuse profane and foolish myths. Instead, exercise in the ways of godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable in all things, holding promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Refuse profane and foolish myths. You know, don't be stupid. Discipline your mind. Tell your brain what to do. Don't let it run loose. Um, take control of your intellect. And Paul says, instead of doing that, exercise yourself in the ways of godliness. And he also says that bodily exercise profits a little. Bodily exercise is good, but it only translates into other areas of life in a very limited way in comparison to exercising yourself in the ways of godliness. Uh, physical health, it's or physical exercise, it's good for your physical health, which is certainly important. It can help you mentally. It can improve cognitive function. But with all of the emphasis it gets, it's relatively limited in what it can do and the benefits it provides, at least in comparison to exercising yourself in godliness. Because Paul says that benefits us in every area of life, even in the life to come. In Compare it like this. When, if you watch that video, uh, Alex Honnold, he free solos El Capitan. And that is an amazing feat. I mean, there's, there's, I intend to take nothing away from that. That is incredible. It's amazing to watch. Gives you butterflies in your stomach to watch him do it. And that took thousands of hours of practice and discipline to accomplish that feat. And if we compare that accomplishment to what disciplining ourselves in the way of godliness can accomplish, the benefits of physical discipline are relatively small in comparison. And that's not intended to take anything away from physical accomplishments. But the Bible tells us that in comparison, the way bodily exercise translates into other areas of life and the way godliness translates into other areas of life uh, the physical exercise is, well, it's relatively small. And, and let that settle in your mind when you think about all of the physical things that people accomplish and the big deal that we make out of it. And it is a big deal. Like I said, it's not intended to take anything away from it. But in comparison, the benefits and the translation into other things is relatively small compared to exercising ourselves in the way of godliness. And that's what Paul says. He says, exercise yourself in the way of godliness because it's profitable in all things, holding promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Exercising or training yourself in the ways of godliness is profitable in all things. Profitable in your work, your play, your marriage, your relationships, your influence, and of course, in the life to come, in all things. Now, what do you have to do first first 
to exercise or train yourself so you might gain the benefits that come from that. You have to discipline yourself now, right now, not tomorrow, not next week, not later, now. Procrastination is your enemy. Social media and the internet in general shows us, you know, a lot of people have achieved things, but it doesn't show us the thousands of hours of discipline led that led up to them accomplishing that. And it's easy to look around and think, well, I would like to do this, or I'd like to do better, or I'd like to discipline myself to, you know, and practice spiritual disciplines, but I'll, I'll, I'll do that later. And what we need to do to accomplish those things is discipline ourselves now. And first, let's answer the question, what is discipline? What does the word discipline mean? Because definitions matter. And the way we view and explain that is going to shape what we talk about. So there are a few different meanings for the word discipline. One is the practice of training people to obey rules or codes of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. And that's a good definition for a military type of discipline. When I was in the Marine Corps, that kind of discipline was very important. Discipline also means the controlled behavior that results from that kind of training. And that's a little closer to what we're talking about because what we're talking about is self-imposed discipline, not um, discipline that's uh, imposed from the outside, like in the military, but discipline we impose on ourselves. When I was in the Marines, and this was way back in basic training a long time ago now, but when we were out in the field at night or on a rifle range or something, doing whatever. In basic training, discipline was always in place. It was never relaxed. You never really took a break from that. Um, even when you went to bed at night, you laid at the position of attention and at least until you feel asleep, fell asleep. And I remember sometimes uh, we would, <laughs> I was joking with somebody once, we even woke up that way occasionally. But when we were out in the bush at night, um, or in the field, everyone would be standing at attention and the drill instructors like to play this little game occasionally. And they would sneak up behind some unsuspecting recruit and with a stalk of grass and tickle the back of his ear. And the recruit thinking it was something crawling on his ear would swat at it. And then in doing so, he had displayed a lack of discipline and he paid for it in the currency of sweat and pain, discipline. Later, as Marines, we moved on into other things. We learned why there are times that you do not move or randomly swat at bugs and why that's important. And at that point, you've learned the discipline to control yourself. Discipline is a combination of doing some things and restraining ourselves from others so as to improve yourself in a way that is beneficial to yourself and those around you. And this is, this is how we'll define discipline for our purposes as we go through this. Discipline is sacrificing right now so as to bring benefit to yourself and others later. Discipline now. And Jesus is the preeminent example of that. He sacrificed everything in the moment to the great benefit of others for eternity. That kind of discipline applies to any area of life and specifically to godliness, which is, as Paul says, profitable for all things. If we discipline ourselves now, we will profit later. Godliness holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. There are many men today in the world, both young and old, secular, Christian, it really doesn't matter. There are many men who are floundering, 
wondering, why am I here? What's the point of me being here? Why do I exist? What am I supposed to be doing? Why am I doing the things I'm doing? And they just don't have a satisfying answer for many of those questions. And in many ways, culture is telling men that they are redundant and not really important or of any use anymore, which is not true. Now, to be fair, some, some of them act that way, but that is a corrosive belief that is eroding away the foundations of society and culture. It's, it's really tearing down the things we enjoy. And I believe there are a few reasons men struggle. And I also believe there are things that can help. And one of the main reasons uh, being discipline. That's one of the things that can really help. Discipline now, especially in the ways of godliness, not later, not tomorrow, not uh, you know next week. Discipline now, especially in the ways of godliness. And I know there are secular people who, who would push back against that or write it off. And I'd say, but before you do, you know, consider Western culture was built on biblical principles, um, things like equal rights, education, value of the individual, even something that seems um, so foundational as murder is wrong. All of those philosophies and principles are the result of biblical principles upon which Western culture was built. And before you erode those things from the culture from which you benefit, you know, you need to think about what you're going to replace them with. And there are many problems that have brought men to the place they are today. And we'll talk about a few in particular. Some of these are pretty controversial. But one of the problems is feminism, um, especially third, fourth wave feminism. You know, you can Google all that and learn all about it. But what started out as something sensible and reasonable to bring about women's suffrage has spiled spiraled off into something very strange. You know, initially it was, you know, women are valuable too and they should be able to vote and that's sensible, that's reasonable. But what was originally intended to be a recognition of equal value and um, equal opportunity has today become more about denial of differences and destroying things that don't line up with that. And I'm sure everyone, you know, recognizes this, but men and women are very different. And that's good. Most of us like that. I like my wife to be feminine. She likes me to act like a man. And that's the case with most people. And there's no need to dwell on that too much, although we could. Um, but another issue we're dealing with that is trapping men today is entertainment. Um, everything is just seems to revolve around entertainment. I know I've talked about this in the past, but um, People spend a tremendous amount of time in front of a screen. It's a huge portion of their life. And I understand some people's work involves screens. Mine does. And that's a different thing. But men are entertainment obsessed. And there's a difference between rest and entertainment. And of course, there can be crossover, but they are two separate things. And another problem that is hurting men, and this is a little more close to home for Christians, and but Actually, this applies to uh, men and who have a secular mindset as well, and that's legalism. And remember how I mentioned that it was the negative reviews that caused me to read this book. And as I, I read the negative reviews, it seemed that the people writing them were upset about the book 
pointing out shortcomings in their own lives, and they were mistaking that for legalism, or they viewed spiritual discipline as a set of outdated rules, which is really just a lack of understanding on their part. Disciplining yourself to become a godly man does not involve legalism or promoting it. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul spent a lot of his time and effort combating legalism. However, legalism is a legitimate concern nonetheless. But legalism is a belief that your behavior makes you right with God or more right with God than someone else. And, you know, we've probably all seen that at some point if you've been around church at all. Uh, But that's just not true. Only Jesus makes people right with God. But discipline can help you live a better life as a Christian and make you a better servant as a believer and be more effective and influential as a servant of Jesus. And legalism breeds the sin of pride and usually also becomes something that is imposed on others and something that a legalist uses to compare themselves to others. And that's a big problem in a culture. That's uh, in contemporary culture. A lot of people kind of have that view that that's what church is about is that legalist, um, I'm better than you because you don't do this kind of thinking. And of course, that's not true in a lot of churches, but it is a, a, a view that people have, unfortunately. But uh, as we go through this, we want to focus on ourselves. You, we've, we've got enough problems of our own to solve. And a man who practices the disciplines of a godly man now won't practice legalism and will even work against it like Paul did. So the problem I'm getting at is this. It's a lack of discipline now. That's a big problem among men in general. And it's a problem worth addressing. It's a problem worth addressing in secular culture and Christian culture as well. I conducted a funeral. This was some time ago. And it was a fairly large funeral. And it um, it was pretty full. And there were two brothers at this funeral who couldn't get along with each other. And I've got all kinds of stories about weddings and funerals, but I don't know the circumstances of why they couldn't get along with each other, but most likely it was something small that had festered over time. That's usually the way those things are, is there's something small, and as they don't work them out, things out and talk about it, it just gets worse and worse and worse to the point that people don't talk to each other, and for some reason they end up hating each other. But... The fact was that they were so upset with each other that they were on the verge of getting into a physical fight, altercation at their father's funeral. So two so-called grown men were so petty and selfish and childish that they couldn't act like adults long enough to get through their father's funeral. That's pretty pathetic. It really is. And a man should be someone other people can lean on in a situation like that, not someone who selfishly disrupts it. And I say this a lot, it's easy to pick on secular culture, but I'm not speaking to secular culture um, directly, so it's pointless to do that. Of course, anyone from secular culture is always welcome to listen, but I'm really focusing on Christians and even more so Christian men, and even in that, focusing on ourselves. And if you want to have any chance of affecting culture at all. You need to sort yourself out first. And that's what this series is about. Discipline now. First, we fix our own problems. We discipline ourselves. Once we get that sorted out, 
then we can maybe take care of some other things that need our attention. And I have a fair bit of behind the scenes church experience, a lot of experience and, you know, a lot of different connections I've made over the years. I've seen a lot of different things happen. And most people really do not have any idea about what goes on in the church they attend. And they're often shocked to find out about some of the things that go on in church. And one of my biggest blunders in ministry over the years has been assuming and expecting men who are older and had been in church a long time to possess a reasonable level of discipline and maturity, or even act like grown men for that matter. And I was very blindsided by the lack of that maturity and spiritual discipline among men. And, you know, that's not to say that spiritually mature, disciplined men don't exist because they certainly do. But it's more often been men who, who should have been, you know, just pillars of support for their church family, uh, pillars of support for their family, encouraging people and setting a godly example through self-sacrifice, who uh, instead of doing that have been childish, passive-aggressive, troublemakers, continually wasting the time of church leadership. I spent a lot of wasted time as a pastor dealing with, with trying to help men who should have been able to not only take care of themselves, but also their family and their church and the people around them. And there's been infidelity, lies, deception, complaining, backbiting, gossip, uh, pretty much anything you can imagine, mostly due to a lack of discipline now. And that would help lead to a, a reasonable level of maturity. Godly masculine men are unfortunately the exception, not the rule. And I don't think you would probably be listening still if you weren't interested in being the exception. And being a godly man and practicing the disciplines that lead to that, they don't rely on physical ability. They don't require exceptional intelligence, uh, which is you know fortunate for a lot of us. What they do require is discipline now, and that requires sacrifice. Sacrificing right now so as to bring benefit to yourself and others later. Sacrificing something now to improve things for later. And Paul writes, exercise in the ways of godliness. That word exercise means to exercise naked, which is kind of funny. Don't take that too far. Um, Here's something to help us better understand what that means. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, since we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. When Paul says exercise yourself in the way of ways of or the way of godliness, that means sacrificing whatever it is that weighs you down. It involves doing that. Like when you go to the gym, you don't wear dress shoes and a big coat because you're not going to be able to exercise properly in that. It's just going to weigh you down. I've been into backpacking lately, not the, uh, you know, travel around and stay in a hostel kind of backpacking, but like out in the back country kind of backpacking. And I've, I've discovered a whole new world of interesting things in that. And as I've read, blogs and watch videos and all of those kinds of things. I've discovered one of the big topics of discussion among the backpacking community is weight. 
How much does something weigh? It's a um, tremendous topic, even down to the point of how many you know calories per gram you get in your food. It all matters to you know lighten your load as much as you can because you don't want to carry any more weight than absolutely necessary. But not being weighed down inevitably means sacrifice, and it's probably going to be some kind of comfort. If you're going to lighten your load, it means sacrificing something, giving something up. And that's what Paul is telling us to do. Cast off those things that are going to slow you down. Um, get rid of that, that stuff that's going to entangle you and keep you from disciplining yourself and exercising yourself in the ways of godliness. It, if you're trying to reach a summit, you aren't going to carry your king-size pillow-top mattress with you um, It's because you'll never make it. So you're faced with a choice. You either leave the king-size pillow-top mattress behind and discipline yourself to live without it right now, or you just stay where you are. And of course, that's an illustration. It's not literal. Don't sell your house. Like You need to give up the comfort of yourself and your family to be a godly man. That's not what this means at all. But you do have to discipline yourself. And you do have to think about what are you willing to sacrifice to make that possible? What are you willing to sacrifice, give up, cast aside to practice discipline? Think about that. What are you willing to sacrifice? Or, or what is it that's keeping you from practicing godly disciplines? Or what are you hanging on to that's keeping you from godliness? And then ask yourself, why are you hanging on to that? And be realistic and tell yourself the truth. What is it that you can and are willing to sacrifice right now? What will you actually do? It's far better to tell yourself the truth and do it than to come up with some grandiose idea that you will never do. It can be something small. It doesn't have to be dramatic, but it takes thousands of hours of discipline to master something. It's a journey. And it's taken one step at a time. And those hours, those efforts accumulate over time. But they are all still the result of discipline right now in the moment. If you're going to discipline yourself to be a godly man, what's something you'll actually do? It may be picking up your Bible in the morning before you pick up your phone. It may be getting up 30 minutes earlier in the morning to pray. Five minutes, 10 minutes even. It may be taking 10 minutes to be somewhere quiet and contemplate and pray about disciplining yourself now. It may be taking some time to step outside and meditate on God's creation. It may be fasting for a meal, but it needs to be something you will actually do. And we're going to be talking about um, many things that you need to do or that you can put into practice. But Right now, I want you to think about what godly discipline is, what that means to you, and what you can actually do and put into practice to be a godly man. Break that down. Write it down. Take some time. Think about it. And pick one thing, just one thing, that you will actually do and then do it now. It doesn't matter if it's small. Um, remember those little things build up and they accumulate over time. And as you go about your week, about your day, whatever you might be up to, think about that. 
what are you willing to do? What are you willing to sacrifice right now to discipline yourself right now? Well, I hope you found this helpful and encouraging, and I'm really looking forward to the rest of this. I hope you are as well. If you think it might be helpful for someone, you know, share it around with them. And with that, uh, we'll wrap up there for today, and I'll look forward to catching up with you again soon. Uh, Have a great day, and I will be praying for you.